know the lady door. Corridor. Corridor. Oh, that door. Yes. The door, of course. My door. Indeed. Yes. And what's its wood will come to Dunsinane? Well, only if you get the audience to shake the branches about a bit. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not very convincing. <clears throat> to be fair, that whole play wasn't very, wasn't convincing. very convincing anyway. <laughs> it was beautifully well done, though. It was. There are things out of that rendition that I will never <clears throat> forget. Like Corda And a shiny blue bike. Ah, that was the Hamlet one. Yes. That was the, not the Macbeth. Not the Macbeth, the, the other Ham one. Yes, I remember the Hamlet one. The, yeah. king, the king praying. Yes. And getting interrupted and finishing off with, <laughs> and a shiny blue bike. Yes. <coughs> well, Macbeth. Hamlet. Hamlet says, well, if I kill him at prayer, then he goes to heaven without a stain on his soul and I am doomed. Yeah. So I can't. It's bad. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough call, to be honest. It's bad all around. I mean, it gets, you know, it does the vengeance thing there and then in the real living world of, of fleshy flesh. But you have consequences. Delayed gratification. You, know? you have you have consequences. You know, you go to hell, he goes, he goes to heaven. Which is... is kind of like the original emo well, Dude, he can't. Really. He kind of wrestles with a whole lot of he's, emo stuff. He's kind of stuck. He can't go in any direction, really, can he? No. He can't not kill the guy because that's <clears throat> leaving the vengeance undone. And honor demands the the ghost of who's Duncan. No, different dude. Claudio. I'm trying to think who the dead king was called. Who the dead king was called? Don't know. Anyway, dead ghost dad. Really. Yeah, dead ghost dad. Yeah. is going to be miffed. You know. Eternally, because you've not vengeanced him. Yeah. Right? So he can't not kill the guy. <clears throat> he can't kill the guy because of, of you know, going to heaven and getting a shiny blue bike. And also, you know, dude is married to his mother. And also dude is married to his mother. It's kind of just a bit of a knot, really. He can't get out of it. If you know what I mean. Because he's the Prince of Denmark. Because of then you've got the whole what dreams may come thing going on. He's the Prince of Denmark, so you can't do the... It's just it's just a bad situation. He can't... He, I can, he can't, can't say, ho ho, look, what's over there? Ba-ding! Indeed. I can't... I can't do it. I just cannot... I cannot blame him for feeling a little bit kind of, oh, woe is me, to be honest. Yeah, he's like, well, crappy do. Who actually finished... A, I don't think it, you, can, you can't do spoilers for Shakespeare, can you? No, not really. You're, you're allowed it's to fine. basically yeah, talk we're, about we're Shakespeare. Good. We're good. Who kills everybody in the end? Um, it does it like one person kill everybody, or do they all kill each other? No, they I can't kind of remember. All kill each other. Right. Hamlet goes into the big fight at the end against his best mate Laertes over the death of Ophelia, who was going out with Hamlet. Hang on, Laertes. I thought he was in like Greek myth. No. Okay. Laertes is his best man. Uh, is his best mate. Okay. They are best dude bros. All right, yeah, yeah. And they kind of make a whole sort of thruple thing because of Laertes' sister Ophelia, who Hamlet has the hots for. Oh! And um, he turns around oh. and goes, Babe, you hot, you on fire, go to a nunnery because I just can't keep it in my pants. How very, very direct. I know. Well, he basically says that. Shakespeare... So, you know, Shakespeare Ophelia's is like, well, you know, babe, just, just don't. Do you not know <laughs> that Shakespeare is high culture? Shakespeare is not high culture. <laughs> it's rude. Shakespeare 
was writing for the finest upper crust of sophisticated society. And definitely not a bunch of ramshackle he was drunken the louts. Iron Maiden of the Middle Ages. <laughs> Come on, he was what? all fire and fury and vengeance and a big bit of ribald humour. What happened to the light just then? Mm. Did it get brighter or was it just my imagination? No, no, it got brighter. Usually they go out with a cool kind of spookiness, but ours gets brighter because it's our house. You know, we have a, we have a particular kind of creepy. Surprise, bright lights! <laughs> <laughs> No, um, no, not the bright light. The I... beacons are lit. Gondor <laughs> calls for aid. So what would you like to talk about this evening? <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, lovely listeners. Hello. Welcome to episode 162. Yes. Yes. I think we decided it was 162. Well, it is now. Okay. Yes. We're declaring it. We are. The votes have been counted and verified. And it is a story time. Ah. So, lovely listeners, settle in, warm your knees, you know, get a blanket wrapped round your shoulders, settle right in up close around the virtual campfire, get a drink of choice, grab a biscuit from the tin as it go around, or other snacks as you like or not. That's that's also an option. Other snacks are available. Other snacks are available. We are not sponsored by Jaffa Cakes. That's probably good. You don't like Jaffa Cakes? Oh, you don't, don't like Jaffa Cakes? Don't like Jaffa Cakes. You don't like Jaffa Cakes? I don't like Jaffa Cakes. No, that's, that's, that's good. We should buy Jaffa Cakes. <gasps> How very dare you. And then I can eat all your Jaffa Get Cakes. Get out. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. I think that would be an efficient way of dealing with Jaffa Cakes in the house. Mm-hmm. Or in the virtual campfire. Mm-hmm. Clear, virtual clearing. I lost where I was. You pick it up. You were, <laughs> you were inviting the lovely listeners... Whom, I was, and then you got sidetracked whom, by Jaffa Cakes. Whom we welcome very warmly to our virtual campfire. <laughs> it's a you, story time with no Jaffa Cakes. Indeed. Mm, sorry. Whether you are new to said virtual campfire, in which case, welcome, welcome, welcome. Or you are a seasoned uh, tolerator of our <laughs> that was a nons- good word, nonsense. I quite like that. In one. which case, welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you. Um, if you're a Jaffa Cake, I might suggest sitting a bit further away from Kate. Possibly so. Yeah. Yep. Just yep. saying. I try not to eat sentient biscuits as a rule. No. Did they ever settle the biscuit cake thing? They did. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, cool. But if you are a trash panda darling, we welcome all trash panda darlings <laughs> around the virtual campfire. <laughs> welcome to episode 162 Welcome to a story time. Oh, yes. What story do we have in line for the lovely listeners well, tonight? Probably best tell them who we are first. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Hi. Hello. I'm Suzanne Martin. I'm half your hosting team. I'm a heathen with a head full of stuff. And my name is Kate and I am not a heathen and I am the other half of your hosting team. And I have a head full of very little at all. Bubbles, mostly. It's a good thing. Little, those those nice little ones that you get, used to get when you were a kid with the thing. And yeah. they just float about, like, with <clears throat> do sparkly colours. Oh, I like those. Yeah, that, yeah, those bubbles. Some of those. Yeah. Good call. 
Welcome to episode 162. It is a story time and today this story is in two different styles. Hmm. One from myself and one from Kate. It's a thing. We thought we'd give it a go. Yeah, we thought we'd give you two very different versions. They might be quite different. Of the same tale. (laughs) So, we'd like to bring you a story from the sagas, maybe in a way that you haven't quite heard it before. Mm. And this is a story that runs across three sagas, I think. Yes. Three sagas. Three. And this is the story of a sword that appears, is named, it's a named sword, and it appears in three specific sagas. So we have put all of these together into a narrative, and I would like to start you off with my version of the saga of the sword. And I would just like, before you get started, I would just like to add a footnote. Um, or a side note, or whatever we have to do at this point in the proceedings. Log the, note. A log note. For the benefit of the lovely listeners, our guests in the clearing tonight, um, the version you are about to hear is the proper version. <laughs> now, the reason I say this is because the other version... Well, I'll explain when we get there, but but bear in mind, the, the other version was supplementary to this version. So this is the real one. So <laughs> if... You wouldn't mind, Suzanne, please take it away. They're a mirror image, really. Okay, we'll go with that. Yeah, and they have truth in both of them. Mm. So we would like to give you the story of a sword. It's a named sword that runs across three sagas. Mm-hmm. And so first up this evening around the virtual campfire, I would like to offer you a, a piece that I wrote from the sword's point of view, hmm. which you don't have in the sagas, you have it from the human's point of view. Indeed. So I would like to read for you this evening the saga of the sword. I was forged for kings. A princely gift, new shining edge, balanced well, bright gleaming. Skilled smith's pride imbued in my lines. Given to a young king, Hrolf, and with him I served, known as the best of all northern swords, brilliant in battle, I fed the eagles well, favoured of raven, gained glorious victory, was worthy of my wielder. Dark Press of earth now my companion, no glittering host calls, but stillness. Here I wait, rightfully for when I will be wielded again. Years we fought, paired in thought, holding each other higher than each could do alone. Care he took not to draw me in the presence of women, nor let sun fall on my hilt. Spirited sharp he kept me, hard as stone in winter, took me to battle, my value known, and let none but honourable deeds do together. The sights I saw, 
battle and hall, together with King Hrolf, my value known, my edges kept sharp. For what is a king without a sword, or a sword without a king? For him I was made, my purpose known. Not drawn in anger, and for that I kept my own honour. By his side in quiet council and peacetime feast. Belted to him before battle, soon to know the familiar song and sing alongside him. First shield clash, the cries of men, the ravens coming after. First, we struck another king in mighty battle, sparks shimmering, battle clanging, forces joined in fighting, fullness of fierce foes. The eagle fed well, the sky filled with Valkyries singing to take the chosen dead on their final journeys. Second, against a queen we fought, Skuld and King Hjorvard. Hjorvard's army heaped dead at the end of day. Hrolf fell, and at his side we were carried together into saga, placed moundward with all kingly glory. Dark earth, then my companion, no glittering host calls, but stillness. There I waited rightfully for when I would be wielded again. Scooped up by Skeggy, I saw day again, taken from the clinging mud and back into service, again to be strapped by his side, cleaned and cared for. A plunderer, perhaps, but of the Norns' choosing, no king this one, but I serve nonetheless. His friend Cormac comes asking, hot and hasty, Skeggy refuses him, calls me cold and slow. Our natures unaligned and my ways once more secret. I like not this Skeggy. Compared to Hrolf he is pewter to silver, but serve him I shall, if he serve me in return. Cormac's mother sends him back, asking in earnest again to lend me to a fight needing victory. Skeggy told my tricks. Cormac discarded them. I refused to draw when he bade me so, all my good luck stripped when the sun shone on my hilt. I aided him not. Fought against Witting, wielded by Bercy, shield splintered once, twice the battleground strewn, Witting sheared at my stroke, a splinter borne from my edge, struck Cormac, and stayed lodged. Then the two talk. An agreement found, payment balanced and fighting done. Cormac, angered at my edge, returns me to Skeggy, complaining loudly. Victory gained, but not due to my skills. Skeggy stands by me, calls Cormac out, says that I am blameless in battle for my ways were not heeded. Then, 
to Skeggy's son Eid I am given, and I remember. Being handed to Hrolf, the first unsteady heft in the light, pointed skywards to the cheers of the prince's men. But I am here, in Eid's hand, and there is no echo of cheering, no others to witness my giving. To kinsman Thorkel I am past, no ceremony or celebration in passing between. To kill an outlaw, grim, killer of Eid's son, and still I serve. Even when Thorkel and Grim befriend, and Thorkel does not return me to Eid. Thorkel keeps me until the day fated to Rand's Hall we step aboard, his trusty ship and into sudden squall ran nets all for her halls, and I am wedged between broken timbers, floating to shore. Gellier grabs me, Thorkill's son, and I serve once more. We sail the sea roads, see his holiest places in Rome, pray, talk, read different life. He has less reason to draw me out. Still sharp I sang, ringing on the scabbard edge, but less time spent at his side. Quieter the feasts became, fewer the fights. Silence, my battle song. For what use is a sword without a song. What purpose can I serve with a man of peace? Gellier, grave ill fell and walked the long road, started his journey in the land of the Danes. Together we went into his grave, into the earth of my first king. Dark press of earth now my companion. No glittering host calls, but stillness. Here I wait, rightfully for when I will be wielded again. I don't want to say anything now. Why not? Because it'll like break the the thing, the stillness, you know. Well, I'm sure if they want to listen to it again, they can. I mean, all I've mean, got to do is just go back to the beginning bit and listen to it. And <clears throat> that's true. It's enough. all good, you know. So that was the saga of the saga of the sword, and I'm um, going to let you give the name. The name of the sword, yes, is Skofnung. Skofnung. That's S-K-O-F-N-U-N-G. Skofnung. Skofnung. Well, I say that, I think it's that's what it is in Roman letters anyway. Because the sword would never <clears throat> refer to himself by name. No. Yes, yeah. yeah, so so that was your 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 piece on uh, the life of Skofnung. Uh, well, yes. To date the life of Skofnung. 
And I think this would be a very good place to wrap up the episode. <laughs> oh no. Because no, 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 no. In a couple of in a couple of minutes, I'm going to take all the wonderfully crafted mood and tone yeah. that you established all the way through that, and completely blast it out of the water. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. Okay, do you want do lovely you want... listeners? I'm going to introduce my co-host Kate, <laughs> who is going to give you her version. Well, of the saga of the sword. Um, just to explain why we have two versions, um, obviously in order to put together the story and to try to get the chronology right um, in terms of who owned the sword in sort of what order and how, yeah, how it was transferred. Yeah, it all over the place. Yeah, how it was transferred from one to another. Yeah. Um, we obviously went through the, the sagas. We did. That feature this particular weapon. And I did a bit of a, a, a sort of summary of the parts where the sword appears as a, a sort of character, if you will. Yes, a character in itself, almost. Indeed. Yeah. Um, now, it's it's important to, 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 to realise these sagas are long. We have... Um, Stupidly long. Hrolf's saga, the, the saga of uh, King Hrolf Kraki. Yes. Um, that's um, K-R-A-K-I, which is the place that he was uh, associated with. Um, we have uh, Cormac's saga. Yes. Which is sometimes spelt with K's and sometimes spelt with C's yeah. in Cormac. And we also have the Laxdala uh, saga. saga, which is quite a lengthy composition. Um, Let's just say you need to bring your own thermos and snacks when you sit down to that one. It's a bit of a beast. Yeah, it has a few references to this uh, this this sword. But basically, so we, we sort of went through and part of my... Um, minimal contribution was, to was, was essentially together the entire chronology putting the putting the, the, the thing together uh, which I did as notes which I would like to read for you lovely listeners as an alternative as either an alternative or as just a supplementary yeah so you can hear the story again but in a yeah. different way again so this then is the story of Skofnung as sped through three sagas basically just grabbing the bits where the sword was named there's a lot of background there's a lot of places where there's a lot of there are confrontations and fights and things that aren't really explained in context because the context is like half a saga yeah um it starts and, 16 and pages before yeah. with a description of a lunchbox and several generations and yeah, yeah. And, and gradually you get to the, the bit that you actually want so you just have to bear with us if we mention somebody fighting somebody, there's reasons yeah. for it. It's the sword's focus. It doesn't really matter to them who's fighting who, just that they're getting to fight. It's all good. Skofnung first appears as the sword used by King Hrolf to attack King Adils and cut off his buttocks. Both of them. Adils suffers from loss of blood and becomes weak, and the two part company and do not meet again. Later, we're told... A tremendous battle broke out, Hrolf fighting against Queen Skuld and King Hjorvard. Lots of dead people were generated. The nature of Skofnung was such that it sang aloud when it tasted bone, says the saga. The army of King Hjorvard fall in heaps before Hrolf and his army, and his sword, which, quote, seemed a marvel. But Hrolf is killed in this battle. Somebody called Master Galtarus 
said that human strength cannot withstand such fiendish power unless with the strength of God to aid them. He said, And one thing stood between you and victory, King Hrolf, that you had not the knowledge of your maker. So that's a bit harsh. Skuld took over the land for a while. I should have mentioned, I'm, I don't really restrain my language when I'm writing notes. It's fine. So there might be swearing from this point on. Just a wee sweary or two. Dear lovely, lovely listeners. Sorry for the wee swearing. Sorry about the swearies. <laughs> okay, now we're Where good. was I? Now yes. Now you can carry on. Skuld took over the land for a while, but fucked it proper and was overthrown quickly. Hrolf and Skofnung were laid out in a mound. Now we move on to Cormac's saga. Chapter 9, specifically. When Cormac goes to Reykir and sees Skeggy of Midfjord and asks if he could borrow his sword, Skofnung. Skeggy told him to jog on, presumably in Norse. He said that Cormac wouldn't get on with the sword as, quote, it is cold and slow and thou art hot and hasty. Which, you know, that's a thing to tell someone. Cormac slunk off, fairly miffed. Somebody called Dalla, who I find out a few lines further on is Cormac's mum, tells Cormac to go back and ask again, saying that Skeggy wouldn't refuse him this time around. What's that thing about doing the same thing over and over again and expecting things to change? <laughs> yeah, well. Hard wilt thou find it to handle, said Skeggy. Well, again, I, I, it's a thing to say to okay. someone. He goes on. There is a pouch to it, and that thou shalt let be. Sun must not shine on the pommel of the hilt. Thou shalt not wear it until fighting is forward, and when ye come to the field, sit all alone, and then draw it. Hold the edge toward thee, and blow on it. Then will a little worm creep from under the hilt. Then slope thou the sword over, and make it easy for that worm to creep back beneath the hilt. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm being equipped for battle with a weapon that involves a small worm that I have to, you know, manoeuvre the weapon in order to, to sort of, you know, accommodate the goings and comings and goings of a small worm, it's like, is this, like, does, what is the function? Does it have a function? Oh. Anyway. I'm just getting a little image of a worm with a wee scarf on going, don't go that way. <laughs> if she'd have kept on going down that way, she'd have gone straight, straight to, to that, that castle. <laughs> anyway, Cormac was not impressed and shouted at Skeggy and called him a warlock, which is a way to get somebody to lend you a sword, I guess. Skeggy was unmoved by all this and simply pointed out that if he was going to use the sword, he needed to know the tricks. Cormac went straight home and tried to show off the sword to his mum, but it wouldn't draw. The scabbard clung onto it. She told him he needed to chill a bit. He yanked and yoinked and did the whole King Arthur thing while his mum looked on wearily, but he never did become King of England. And then he fastened it on at his belt and didn't give it a mind that the sun shone on the pommel. And so the sword was stripped of its good luck. Cormac needed the sword to have a fight with somebody called Bercy, who had his own magic sword called Witting. 
They set to, and there's much clanging and battering of shields, of which they get through several each. The swords crossed, and the end fell off witting. We had one just like that, but the end fell off. <laughs> and a splinter twanged off of the blade of Scoffnung, and Cormac got an owie on his thumb. So they decided to stop fighting because it wasn't fun anymore. It usually isn't after someone loses an eye or gets an owie on their thumb. Apparently it was a fight over money and they basically decided on payment terms so they didn't need to kill each other anymore anyway. Cormac went home and his mum fixed up his thumb and they tried to whet the splinter out of Scoffnung's blade but it was like that car in Father Ted where they try to tap out the little dent and end up overcompensating repeatedly until they finish up with a car that's basically just one big dent. <laughs> it was that, but a sword. So Cormac takes the sword and he goes stamping back to Skeggy and he flings it down in front of him and says basically, this was a shit sword, but I still won. But I didn't win because of your magic sword, actually. I was just too good anyway, so nah. Skeggy mildly points out, after getting a bit more detail from him, that he basically just broke every last rule and really, he's no one to blame but himself. Twat. Then we move on to Laxdala Saga. It's a way later. There's a dude called Grim. He's apparently a son of Helga from Crop. You know, Helga, lovely girl Helga. He though, he's done some murder on somebody called the son of Ede of Ridge. So that's Ede, who comes from Ridge, had a son. We don't know whether he was also from Ridge. Got murdered by Grim, son of Helga. He got murdered by Grim, son of Helga from Crop. Well, I'm confused. Yeah, he's, it's 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 very uh, it's all very technical. Uh, I'm doing the best I can. Keep going. It's good. Um, so uh, Grim got outlawed for his trouble, which you know, but the other guy got dead. So yeah. point. How sympathetic <laughs> are you really going to be? To be honest. Um, but still, he did okay for himself. Uh, he's living the Robin Hood life, only in the mountains instead of in the forests. And Ede, the guy whose son he'd done in, um, got old. And though he still wanted vengeance, he knew he couldn't do it himself. So he whistled up one Thorkel, who was a trader and kinsman who had a ship lying in harbour nearby, to go do the thing for him. Hmm. Thorkel wasn't overly keen. I get the impression he was more tradey than raidy, so to speak, but he said he'd give it a bash if he could borrow Scoffnung, which it seems Ede owned at this juncture. Um, this, he said, would enable him to overcome the, and I quote, mere runnergate. Wow. Which sounds utterly fascinating, and I wish I had more time to dwell on it. Mm. Um, rules, though. Scoffnung has them. Women, son, all that. Hurts made by the sword may not be healed, apart from small owies on the thumb if your mum's there to sort it for you. Except you can heal the wounds if you rub the wound with the healing stone that comes as part of a set with the sword somehow. Now that's not mentioned explicitly in the previous saga, but there is reference to the pouch, mm. which I can only assume is the pouch with the healing stone in it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so Ede explains all this to Thorkel, goes, the bad guy's up there, points, piss off and deal with him. Thorkel rides north and he sees Grimm sitting by the water um, and he walks up to him and twats him a good one on the arm. 
And then they set to wrestling. Because apparently swords aren't fighty enough for these dudes. There's boisterous smack talk, but they soon get chatting on a more friendly level. They find they have a lot in common. They decide to go back to Grimm's. Grimm said he'd refrain from killing the beans out of Thorkel, but that he'd owe him his life for this, but that he could, and I quote, repay me in whatever kind you please. Uh, huh. So they go back to the hut. Thorkel whips out the stone and gives it a good rub on Grimm's arm, healing his dreaded boo-boo. Oh. They stayed there in the hut that night. Mm -hmm. We don't hear much more about the said sword for a while then. Thorkil goes journeying, meets Snorri, the priest. Even marries. Not Snorri. Not Snorri, as far as I'm aware. Okay, I'm just checking. No, no, that's fine. It's good to be clear about these it things. It is. Um, he doesn't eventually uh, get, get around to killing Grimm, apparently. Um, and as far as we know, he never gives Skofnung back to Eve. Mm. Which seems... A little shady, if you ask me. Just a little bit. Yeah. Mm. The next we hear, Thorkel's on a boat, a sail around Iceland, when a squall whips up and trashes the vessel and kills everyone on board. Skofnung gets stuck in a piece of timber somehow and drifts back to shore. I'm beginning to get some fairly definite One Ring vibes off this one. Mm. It gets found in, again, fairly unexpectedly, a place... That's apparently called Skofnung's Isle. Well, that's easy. Yeah. Now, where, where do you find your Skofnung? On the Isle on named the after Isle of Skofnung. Skofnung. Now, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that the Isle got called Skofnung's Isle after the fact because Skofnung fetched up there. Mm. But it's all in the saga together. So it may well be that it was called Skofnung's Isle beforehand and it's just a phenomenal coincidence slash quirk of fate possible anyway there's a woman called Gudrun wait a sec yeah that was a sharp turn left at Albuquerque yeah well the Skofnung's doing its thing bob 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 on the water and, oh, okay. and, yeah, and yeah, arriving yeah. and yeah, fetching cool. up at, 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 so we're going to go and to the place where Gudrun lives which I thought I'd noted down but I haven't okay it's somewhere in Scandinavia in and I or Iceland. It's cool. Somewhere like Gudrun's that. Gudrun's house. Yes. Okay. Somewhere northy. Yeah, yeah. So Gudrun, she's the woman that Thorkel did the marrying with. Oh, that makes a bit more sense. I should have mentioned that beforehand. Okay, shouldn't I? yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm with you now. Now she, uh being a good God fearing Christian woman, um went to church, as was her want. Um, but at the church, she saw apparitions of Thorkel and his shipmates all bedraggled and drowny. Ooh. Yeah. It's not when you want the middle of a sermon, really. It's not really. No. Um, she didn't speak to them. She gives them the cold shoulder and walks on by. So she sees, she sees the drowned ghosts of her husband and his crew, and all she does is side-eye them. She is. Did I mention she's a good Christian woman? You did. She's a good Christian woman. Okay. She's not big on ghostly interactions. She's in the middle of a church and all she does is go, no, talk to the hand. I'm listening to God. I'd better make some allowances, so an, a, 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 a specific exception for the Holy Ghost. But 
other than the Holy Ghost, Christians tend not to get involved too much in the whole ghosty goings on yeah. kind of deal because, okay. you know, Satan and all that supernatural, yeah. occultic, whatever's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So basically, she does this. She says, "No, I'm not talking to you. I'm gonna, you know, just carry on about my business and the, do the, the the Lord thing, and that'll be fine." So she goes home, and. A relatively short time later, she receives the very sad news that uh, bits of the ship have started washing up. And it appears that everybody on board is gone. Is drowned. Is gone drowned. Okay. Um, she was, in fairness, fairly well cut up about it. This is her husband. She, there's every indication that she was, you know, that they had a genuine relationship, you know, genuinely fond of each other. But she does the stiff upper lip thing. She dedicates herself to her religion. Yeah. Um, she becomes the first woman in Iceland who knows the Psalter by heart. That's P-S-A-L-T-E-R. Wow. I don't even know what the Psalter is. Neither. And I grew up among Christians. I've got no clue. I could have found out, really, before I started. Well, it's but, OK. No, no, no. You know. it's cool. Just keep on, keep on going past. Um, well, we're nearly there. We're nearly, we're nearly to the end because she has a son called Gellia. And after the death of Thorkell, uh, his father, um, she and Gellia actually set up a, a small business, basically. They huh. set up as, as apparently as, as merchants of some description and they carry on and they do quite well for themselves. Um, Gellia grows up <clears throat> and he... Um, has a son of his own called Thorker, um, in honour of father. Mm -hmm. um, and Gellia finds himself in possession of Skofnum. Now, the only reference we have is that it was taken from a barrow at a place called Holy Kraki. Okay. Um, which we presume is the place where they interred Thorkel, or at least... You know, uh, or at least memorialised yeah, Thorkel. Yeah, so yeah. The, the sword was presumably placed in there. And at some point, it's been taken from there and Gelly has ended up in possession of it. Um, we know that he then, uh, in later in life, he was, he was getting... Uh, he was a bit, bit more in his mature years and he decided uh, he wanted to take the chance while he still had it. So he set off on the pilgrimage to Rome. Wow. <clears throat> from wherever it was they were living, Kraki. Yeah. basically. Um, so on his return journey, um, as you indicated in your uh, your, your song there, um, he took ill in while he was passing through Denmark and died. No. Yeah, but he'd done his thing. He'd got his pilgrimage finished. You know, he'd been to Rome. He'd seen the places that he wanted to see. And mm. and so he'd, he'd basically completed his life's work. I mean, we think of, you know, we think about going on... on holiday let's say you know for us to go to rome it takes what an hour an mm. hour and a half a couple of hours yeah give or take depending what depending on the wind we you can fly a plane from here to from britain to rome in very little time mm. we could essentially go to rome for a couple of days come home think nothing of it mm. he's taking months to do that journey that's a big thing for him. And he's got to leave everything that he knows behind. It's very dangerous. He's going to be passing through lots of strange places. There's no 
you know, no international policing or anything like that. He's basically, he's got a, he's kind of taking his life in his hands, really. But he's doing it for his faith. And that's a hell of an achievement. Mm. You know, so that's a, a big thing. That is a big thing. So he's done that and he gets back to Denmark and unfortunately he just gets overwhelmed by his illness and that's that. Um, he is, um, uh, he is presumably then interred in some mound of his own or what have you. Um, and a reminder just at the end that Kraki, where the sword was taken from, was the place that Hrolf had been king of right at the very beginning. Ooh. So it's basically, it's just That's come round full circle. Now, whether or not it's come round full circle because all these people were related to each other. I mean, you, you mentioned in your piece that um, Skeggy, uh, that Eid was the son of Skeggy and inherited the sword directly from him. Yeah. It could be that this was all just one big family line and that they all sort of stayed in the same approximate area, which is going to reduce the, the, the whole sort of startling circle back to the beginning yeah. effect a little bit but i still kind of like it i think it's i think it's good yeah, that it goes too. through because it i mean you don't really get the impression you don't really get a good impression of how long this story takes place over but it's got to be it's a good few generations it is so you know it's it's you know a hundred years couple of hundred years yeah long time don't know yeah so it's you know but it all ends up back basically where it started from and i like that it's kind of nice very Norse. It is very Norse. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely listeners. Thank you very much for joining us for this story time episode. As per usual, we will throw some links into the description if you want to go and explore the saga of the sword for yourself. You might have to read a few sagas in the process. There's a lot of saga. There's a lot of saga out there. Um, and yeah, we kind of hope you just want to kind of springboard off, see what other swords get named and what sagas they run through. It's fascinating. It, actually, yeah. if you do if you do a search, there's a there's actually an article on Wikipedia, um, which you may or may not trust. You know, that's it's that's a, 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 sort of up to you to to judge. But um, there's an article on Wikipedia that actually lists named weapons in all sorts of mythologies and yeah and being able to track them as characters in their own right yeah, yeah. is kind of nice and this this one is a particularly good story because it because it appears in in three different uh three different texts mm. at different points in the sword's yeah. lifespan and there's still pieces of that story completely yeah. missing like we yeah he went on pilgrimage to rome he came back he died it's like wait a second that's a lot that's of story like you know an 18 month two year yeah. journey and we just have it in a sentence and a half yeah. we've lost the rest of it exactly yeah so yeah we kind of hope you've enjoyed staying with us for two very different versions of the saga of the sword we'd like to thank you very much for being with us around the virtual campfire if you want to come and find us online and have a chat with us about either this character of a sword or maybe another cool one that you found. That would be awesome. Please come and share it. Lightsabers so good. Light, lightsabers are welcome. Lightsabers are totally <laughs> welcome. That would be wicked. So, if you would like to find us online, my name is Suzanne Martin. You can find me on Facebook under that name. You can also find me on the wreckage formerly known as Twitter <laughs> at Geetha in Jeans. You mean X?
Yes, the X record you known as Twitter. Is it still at Twitter.com or has it moved to X.com now? Because I don't know. Weren't they having weren't they having trouble registering X because it's just a single like, it's like the first domain anybody <laughs> registered or something. Of course it is. I don't know. No, no idea. But yeah, you can still find me I on mean, there or on Facebook or you can find me at my blog or sometimes I come and hang out at the virtual virtual campfire. And if you want to find me, I am on Facebook, Kate Colburn. Just uh, pop by and say hello. Um, you can also, did you mention our Facebook group? No, right. not yet. You can, that's how good my memory is today. I've been, it's fine. I'm sorry, I, my, my brain is foxed. Foxed. It's foxed. That was not what the word you used earlier on it's this evening. It's completely foxed. <laughs> I've had a day. I know. I I've know. Had, a had a day. It's okay. We'll and, have snacks in a minute. And it's my fine. memory's wearing out. Um, all right, fine. Um, so if you want to find our little Facebook group, you can go to fb.com or facebook.com slash frithcastpod and you can find our page there, which has got a little group on it and a link to our Discord server, which is the virtual virtual campfire where you are more than welcome to come and join us uh, and uh, have a chat um, and we'll hopefully see you there. Um, yeah. Is there anything else they need to know? No, it's all good. Yeah, Nothing come and join us. Kettle's always on. Kettle is always you on. You can always, you know, if we're not around, there are other lovely listeners from around the world at the virtual campfire. Mm -hmm. You can come and say hi and have a chat with them as well. They're lovely. So lovely, lovely listeners, both old and new. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Frithcast. Come and join us again for episode 163. You remembered what episode number it was. I did. Well done. Thanks. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. i